Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. There is a, a woman who's probably very happy to say goodbye to her ex. This dude is going to prison for multiple years because he would not stop calling her. and just bombarded her with calls over two days, 815 times he called. In two days? Yes, 17 times an hour or once every three and a half minutes if he didn't sleep. Wow. He also sent thousands of texts and Facebook messages over many months and used social media posts to call her and embarrass her. That's just horrific, and that must have been brutal for her to deal with. But it didn't work? No, she didn't take him back. <laughs> you don't say. Around call 500, she thought, well, maybe. <clears throat> and I just happened to look at my phone and realize, well, I think in a relationship, most of us do that all the time. I, I think Ray and I text each other about 815 times a day over the most mundane things. What a talk. Yeah. I just went to the bathroom. I just did this. I just had an, a really healthy poop. Like, we just shared the dumbest things. So anyhow, he's going to jail and he'll have no access to the texting machine nor the phone. Uh, we, I saw this woman on social media over the weekend, and I guess she's become a, a bit of a, a, a talking point. They're calling her the parking lot Karen. And, and basically, uh, she, she goes off on this man who approaches her in a parking lot. Uh, here's her explaining how it all went down. I'm literally shaking. I am alone with my son, by myself, a woman, and a male approached me in a parking lot. He said, excuse me, miss, and I don't know why in the hell he was approaching me or what he was trying to do. And I mean, he was probably 30 feet from me when he said, excuse me, ma'am. And I turned around and I literally yelled at him and I said, do not approach me. No male should ever approach a woman in a parking lot. She Whoa. went on and on with this. Now, I don't know. He started with, excuse me, ma'am? Yeah. What if she had, like, dropped her wallet and he was just picking it up for her? Right. Now, I will give her a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because we don't know what the man looks like. Was it dark? Was it No, it was night? daytime. It was daytime. It was day. It looked like probably the middle of the afternoon. Okay. And she, um, but she went on and on and on about how no, no man ever, no matter what, should approach a woman in a parking lot. And that just seems a tad extreme. What if she was having car problems and he was offering to help? What if she had a flat tire? You know, I think it's okay to approach somebody if you say, hey, if you give enough distance. Just explain that situation. But, yeah, you know, the, yes, I was, my, my hood was up and he was coming over or something like that. that. But that wasn't explained there. No, it looks like he just approached her and said, excuse me, ma'am, from about 30 feet. And she snapped and said, get away from me. 30 feet to me isn't approaching. Mm. Like three feet is uncomfortable yeah and and when you can smell their breath yeah that uh, that uh, if it was three feet i would agree with her within 10 feet i would probably mm -hmm. agree with her if, if you know if it was something like that you know excuse me and mm -hmm. you stop say excuse me put your hand up and look as unmenacing as possible well yeah you really have to approach gently and almost explain yourself excuse me ma'am i'm just wondering if you know where the right. so and so is but the other thing, too, is who knows, he might have been homeless. That might have been concerning for her. Or maybe she, he just looked menacing to her. Uh, you know, if he walked out in a tailored suit, yeah. it was a George Clooney lookalike. <laughs> I'm chasing him around. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, a lot of people are mocking her and calling her a parking lot Karen for overreacting. I, you know, I just think for all women, it's, it's got to be incredibly tough. They've always got to be aware. 
You know, as dudes, we can just kind of stumble through life for the most part. When, when so many women, they go out or it's nighttime and they're traveling on their own, there's always these concerns, I think. Uh, I mean, yes and no in terms of uh, these days, like with all the incidents we've had on the TTC, mm-hmm. right? Everyone just wants to get where they're going and not be bothered, not mm-hmm. be spoken to, uh, just mind their own business and move on. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you know, okay, if she had just admitted, this guy spooked me mm-hmm. and I was uncomfortable with it, um, boy, I'm glad there, nothing came of that. Mm-hmm. Then that's one thing. But to go on this rant that no man should ever approach a woman in a parking lot and it, from 30 feet away? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a bit much. I, mean, I could understand if she was walking with her child and someone that just appeared a bit creepy was walking behind her and seemed to be following her. It spooked her. You're entitled to that and, uh, you know, apologies for it if that was the case. But, but it just seems a bit of a, of, of a rare uh, offense taken to something here. Yeah, and, and listen, I think she's getting painted with a brush that a lot of women are getting painted with these days because she's young, she's blonde, she's white, and she's blue-eyed. Right. And so immediately she's a Karen. Mm. Um, you know, had a black woman gone on this rant or an Asian woman, maybe there'd be a different a- a- approach or people wouldn't be so quick to pounce. But we, we just see white and young and pretty and we, we were so quick to call them a Karen right. and, uh, and move along. Anyhow... She certainly got the attention she wanted. She put it up on TikTok, and it took off, and and now she seems to be a big debate among people. Too much, or is she spot on? The Cure, they're going on tour, and uh, Robert Smith is uh, starting to fight with uh, Ticketmaster. He's uh, really trying to bring pricing down and some fairness back to the process of buying concert tickets. Over the weekend, he announced that 7,000 scalped tickets to an upcoming Cure tour have been canceled, and he plans to resell them and donate the original fees to Amnesty International. The Cure had previously opted out of Ticketmaster's platinum and dynamic priced ticket options, which has been responsible for grossly inflated ticket prices on this tour. He also got Ticketmaster to issue refunds to some buyers to compensate for higher fees, which I find interesting that he was... Had enough sway and pull to make Ticketmaster do that. Yeah. No kidding. Um, I find that, one, I, I've heard some complaints about the platinum pricing and, and platinum level, which doesn't necessarily, like, you think if you're buying platinum level tickets, mm. you're getting really good seats. So that doesn't, it doesn't necessarily play out as to be the case. It's just you're paying more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which, you know, we've seen other bands, Pearl Jam most famously, taking on this fight. Uh, for for decades now, but uh, what I'm curious about is is the canceling of the tickets that were scalped. Who does that who's that intended to hurt? Because you know if someone's going to pay scalped prices to see your show, doesn't that mean that you just really want to see their show? Right? Or, or can you ensure that that person who bought that ticket at a scalp price will get that ticket at the normal price? You would hope so, right? Yeah, I don't know all that's involved, because when he says canceled, then you would think the people who held those ticket stubs were now screwed out of those tickets. Right. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. But he obviously has some pull, because, yeah, I think even Pearl Jam, I I think a band, they were at their height there in the 90s when they took on Ticketmaster, and Ticketmaster did not budge. 
Yeah. And it fell apart on them. We're going to get to the point where we're lining up at record shops again. Yeah. Middle of the night calling radio stations. <laughs> bands. Yeah. There was a time. I think I sat inside of a uh, Becker's or a Max Milk for Bass, best available seating right. service. <laughs> I forgot about for that. Phil Collins tickets <laughs> or something stupid. <laughs> Anyhow. Now, speaking of shows, I saw a photo of, I guess, Springsteen playing in Madison Square Garden. And Sir Paul McCartney there in the audience among the common folk. Really? It didn't look like it, was, it wasn't a photo of him, like, in a private suite. He was there at the show, and I wondered... Because they're, well, I'm sure Paul McCartney's a little older, but Spring, you know, this is the thing that always amazes me. And Springsteen's the perfect example. It's weird in my mind when it comes to the age of musicians because Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, they're almost 80. I would assume Paul is in that same ballpark. But Springsteen, I think, is already in his early 70s. Mm-hmm. How he didn't take off till the 80s, he had quite a few. Uh, big records in the 70s, but no hits, really. It wasn't until Born in the USA really launched him into superstardom. But it seems like he should be a lot younger than them, because they were on the scene in the 60s. Right. Like The fact that he might only be five or six years younger than yeah. them seems odd to me. Yeah, but he's still, at that point, was he doing a lot of that kind of folky... The Bob Dylan aspect of stuff. Yeah, not till he went catchy. Did it really take off? Yeah, I mean, now when you listen back to, like, The River and... Uh, well, you love it. It's you good. love it. It's yeah. all great stuff. But, yeah, yeah, it wasn't pop radio hits. Right. But, yeah, just age-wise. And then I wonder, with Paul McCartney watching him, does Paul look and go, Jesus, mate, four hours? Yeah. <laughs> I do 90 minutes and take an intermission. <laughs> uh, he's, he's People are just uh, saying that, the Springsteen shows they're seeing its on this tour, it's just insane right. how great he is still alive. Well, and and part of that is because they're leaving satisfied. Mm-hmm. They've heard all the songs they want to hear. They've been there for three and a half, four hours. Yeah. Sure, it costs them a boatload of money. Yeah. But you feel like when you walked out of that show... Boy, that guy, that guy gave me everything. Yeah. That, that guy put everything he could into that show. Not just he stood there saying, belted out a couple of songs and left. We always some jerk leave and go, well, he didn't do Cadillac Ranch. Right. Yeah. That sucked. Um, Pete Davidson doesn't understand why people think his love life is interesting or crazy. Well, just look at the resume. The amount oh. of women he's dated. Right. Um he says, I'm in my 20s and I've dated people. I don't think it's that interesting. He says, uh, I've been in show business for about half of my life, uh, for almost 14 to 15 years on TV and in movies. And 12 in the last 12 years, I've dated like 10 people. I don't really think it's that crazy, but to some people it must seem very interesting. Well, he has to kind of say that because basically people are calling him ugly. Right, right. They're saying, you know, not only did you hit out of your league, you're the grand slams yeah. out of your league every time you're up. Yeah, it is that he's that one guy. You know, we were mocking the idea that personality wins over looks. Right. He seems to be the the role model for that that belief. Either that or dating. It's all about the junk. Yeah, it might be. And there might be some of the the pity. Right. The dead dad in nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Whatever gets a leg over. Right. <laughs> you want to play the dead dad card? <laughs> Get at it. You're dead dad. Uh, Chris, Chris Hemsworth is uh, putting the brakes on his career, not because he's tired of it or wants to spend more time with his family, but because he's at a high risk for Alzheimer's. Now, I don't know how he figured this out, 
But somehow he found out he's eight to ten times more likely to battle the disease. He found this out while filming a National Geographic docu-series called Limitless. So it has triggered him to want to take some time off and uh, and look into this and see if he can, you know, not only put the brakes on his career, but put the brakes on the Alzheimer's. Wow. And th- listen, if research is going that way in modern medicine, like the story we had last year about the scientists, the doctors in England, who figured out a new blood test that can predict whether you're going to get cancer before the tumors even start, if we're able to, to do this kind of research and Find out that things are coming before they actually get to us. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. That's a game changer. Yeah, for sure. I'm telling you, we're going to be here forever, Polly. <laughs> no, no, no. Not going anywhere. We've, listen. You we, and me forever. We've had those <laughs> indicators for years and people telling us you should probably stay away from these things because they'll kill you. And what do we do? Yeah. Well, we gamble on it. But if but if something is just in your DNA, you know, if it's in your bloodline from your family. So say, you know, you had a bunch of uncles and aunts and so who got cancer or who had Alzheimer's. If they can find some way to stop that DNA. I don't trust the science. Oh, well, that's true. They're all BS. That's right. They're just trying to put another <laughs> they don't vaccine. They know what they're talking about. No. Just make me pay for some test. That's right. If I had to ask you, what do you think the greatest baseball movie of all time is? What do you think would be top of the list? What would the baseball season fresh and new? Wow, that's tough. Because there have been a real, a lot of really good ones. You go back to The Natural. I really like 42. Mm. Uh, I love Major League. Um, but that was more for the comedy of it. I would I would have to say probably Field of Dreams would win that out. It's number two. But okay. number one, the same actor stars in it. Oh, Bull Durham. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Bull Durham is a remote drop. Uh, Moneyball, The Natural, as you said, Eight Men Out, 42, A League of Their Own. Major League, The Sandlot. I forget about that one, but that was cute. Mm-hmm. Those kids playing ball. The Bad News Bears. The Bad News Bears uh, go to China. I think that was like the really? sequel. Not good. <laughs> Research was done into the foods most likely to cause food poisoning. And way up at the top of the list, bag salad and other leafy greens. You really got to give them a good wash. Yeah, we had a lot of recalls on those for sure. Yeah. Uh, since 2017, 50 different recalls and uh, many deaths. So... Never heard of anybody getting food poisoning from a bag of good old salt and vinegar. <laughs> Just stick with those. Sure, they'll give you a high cholesterol and blood, high blood pressure. They'll kill you eventually. You'll make friends with salad. That's right. Uh, deli cheeses and meats. Okay. Also high on the list of food poisoning. Ground beef. Onions. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because I guess with onions, you really just kind of take off the skin, chop the ends. Maybe you peel kind of one thing off until you get to kind of the freshest part of the onion. Right. Give that a rinse, and then, but you're not washing into the onion. Especially green onion. Like, I love green mm-hmm. onion, especially with tacos and mm-hmm. nachos and stuff. But when you... <laughs> Well, they get so slimy, that first layer. They yeah. are kind of gross. They are gross. <laughs> Same with red onion. Red onion, when you cut them up for any anything, the, a lot of the uh, the circles, the rings, they've got a layer of, like, white, white like thin skin. skin. Yeah. you got to pull them all off. Turkey, chicken, paella, for some reason. Okay. Peaches, cantaloupe, and flour. And they often say you should not eat, like, raw cookie dough or lick the spoon when you're right. making brownies. Because when flour, I thought that was the egg was the issue. The, well, but yeah, people drink raw eggs. Right. right? Um, and cooking flour is the only way 
to uh, get rid of any bacteria. Uh, sometimes flour and its processing gets exposed to animal droppings when the bacteria grows. Hey. So, uh, avoid the cake. <laughs> no pancakes for me this morning. Now, I must admit, uh, I get lazy when it comes to the bagged uh, vegetables. You know, you'll see like a bagged spinach or they got those big containers of spinach and, and some lettuces or coleslaw all bagged up. And you'll see, and it'll say sometimes triple washed, mm. rewashed. So I believe that. And sometimes Just go for it. Well, with spinach, I always think, okay, I'll, like, I'll look through it and I'll pick out any kind of bad bits. But I'm cooking it right down in butter or boiling it in water, and I figure if there's any bacteria in there, it's going to kill it off. When you're eating it raw, like with a coleslaw or something, though, again, to, to wash it, each individual coleslaw. <laughs> <laughs> Get a little brush. <laughs> so, there you go. Just avoid the whole product. Yeah, stuff. that's what I do. Would you be uh, agreeable to participation trophies for children being banned? Banned? Yeah, well, yeah, this I think is coming from a lot of people. Certainly it's a U.S. thing where, you know, the right is, is very much against all wokeness. Right. And so now the idea that... Children are getting trophies just for showing up, rubs them the wrong way. I would, uh, it depends on the age, I think, for me. They're very young. Mm. You know, you start the little kickers programs and stuff like three, four, five years old mm -hmm. with youth soccer and hockey. I got no problem with everybody getting a trophy at the end of that season. Yeah. They um, say that most children who aren't that athletically inclined are usually done with it by middle school anyhow. Right. So the kids who are carrying on into high school sports and other things, they're at a level where the participation stuff doesn't happen anymore. You're either the winner of the big trophy or you're not. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, I remember as a kid doing like the school Olympics or whatever they called it. We had to do all sorts of, you know, the... the where you get the ribbons? Yeah, this 300 meter run or this yeah. and the that. And I only ever got the red participation ribbon. <laughs> but it did kind of inspire me the next year to try to get one of the better ribbons. So I don't know that a participation ribbon or trophy is a bad thing. Right. If it kind of drives you a bit to want to get the next thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, and I remember as a kid in, in hockey and house league when you're five, six years old, you, everyone gets this tiny little trophy mm -hmm. at the end of it. And it's just, it's something. Yep. Right? Uh, I, I don't have a problem with that. I think at that time, too, they also handed out those, like, SO medals of achievement, right? right? Where there'd be an MVP, a most improved, mm -hmm. and a most sportsmanlike. I think and there are three who are kind of centered out around that. I didn't mind that either. I, I do uh, want, even from a young age, I think it's important that you still pinpoint the winner. This team won or this person did the best. Right. Because it does show to a child, hey, look, there are winners and losers. You're not going to get everything. Mm -hmm. To give them a, a badge because they were involved, fine. But there should also, for somebody who did the best, there should be that award as well. Yeah. I think that's important for them to learn. Well, I, and listen, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you gotta you got to lose to win in life. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if everything's just handed to you right. uh, or, or if you win all the time, I mean, either you're, you're great and accomplished, and that's very good, but sometimes losing can be a very good motivator. When does the winning start for me? <laughs> Tired of all the losing. <laughs> it is the time of the day we love the most. Godfather of the Grill, Ted Reader, joins us. Good morning for Helinda's Meats. Ted, how are you, sir? 
Doing very well, Craigie. Hello, Lucky. Morning, Ted. Uh, we've got a listener question for you, Ted, and it's a good one, actually. Kelly okay. uh, uh, texted this in, and, uh, and I experienced this recently, too, so it's pretty good. It just said, uh, if you order a burger in the U.S., they ask you how you want it cooked, which seems crazy to us for asking because they don't normally ask that here. And since hamburgers, a mix of you know inside and outside, should be uh, cooked, uh, is there something different about U.S. hamburger meat that it can be eaten rare, or should we always be asking for medium well to well done? Well, it's it's uh, government regulations, and so in Canada, the uh, Canadian Food Inspection Agency uh, requires that all burgers are cooked to an internal temperature of a minimum of 160 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. And so that's, but there, there is a, there is a sidebar to that is that if you are grinding your burgers fresh, uh, in house and you're, you're grinding primal cuts and you're making your burgers every day, you can ask your customers how they would like their burgers done, rare, medium, rare, medium. Hmm. And you can get a burger that way. Uh, you'll usually find that in, in, um, in in restaurants and in, in, not in in fast food chains. Right. All right. Um, specialty restaurants, specialty burger shops that are doing that. But they do specify. So you have a little leeway in the states. They they don't have those rules as much. Um, and and the reason is is that uh, E. coli, and when you when it is is a bacteria that is uh, that can be in beef. Yeah. And so you've got to cook the beef to well done so that it kills that bacteria. And with ground meats, you know, it's just E. coli is a surface bacteria, but when you grind it, it's now all through the burger. So that's why you cook it to well done. Um, and, and the best way to also tell that your burgers are well done is you take a thermometer and you put it into the side of the burger all the way into the center and you look at the temperature from there. Right. But they will give you. The restaurant generally specifies, though, that it, you know it is uh, ground in house and fresh, and that way you can kind of make that decision if you wanted it a bit pink in the middle. Although that does seem scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's you know I have a, a buddy who owns a, a burger restaurant in the, in the GTA has three locations. They're called Holy Chuck Burgers, and when you go into Holy Chuck, they grind in house, and you. Uh, you ask for, they'll ask you how you want your burger done. Huh. You can say, I'd like it medium rare or medium or rare. And uh, they try and cook it. It's a smash burger, so they're a little bit thinner. And so on smash burgers, you know, it's harder to get to that pink. But they ask, and they, they make a pretty tasty burger. It's funny that we're talking about E. coli and other things in food. Well, it's not funny we're talking about it. That's not funny at all. But I had just read this, uh, that there was a report put together about the food that causes the most uh, poisonings or sickness. Right. And at the top of the list, it's bag salads and other leafy greens. Fifty different recalls linked to them since 2017. They've also caused the most deaths. So this, I think, it says what it says, and the report is what it is. It also proves to me, once again, we should be staying away from the leafy greens. <laughs> <laughs> you, never, you never got sick off a bag of potato chips <laughs> no you do but and, and and one more thing back to the burger world yeah um when you're cooking burgers burgers should come out of the fridge if they're fresh burgers they should come out of the fridge and go on the grill 
And if they're frozen burgers, they should come from the freezer and go onto the grill. Don't you never saw a frozen burger. Okay. All right? Never, ever, ever thaw a frozen burger. You cook frozen burgers from frozen. And why don't we thaw it? Because you can get sick? It'll, the bacteria will... Well, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so it, it's safer that way. Food safety is, is kind of important. And uh, it's always best. Go to your butcher. Get some fresh ground meat. Make yourself a burger. Pull it out of the fridge. Go to the grill. Fire it up. And have a good time. Beautiful. Now, going to the grill and doing all of that is going to be happening soon at the joint. Can you give us any uh, teasers as to what's going to happen when the joint opens? Ah, uh, Well, we've got a, a few new things happening at the joint. Uh, one at, at uh, the other half of the joint, which is Eldorado Golf Club. We are putting in uh, about a 12,000-square-foot uh, nine-hole putting green. Oh. So that's, gonna, that's coming right off the first hole. So that should be, uh, well... We're getting ready to seed soon, so we'll have that up and running sometime in May, I hope. And uh, it's it's pretty exciting. And then outdoors, we've added to the food section, we've added our a new live fire uh, fire table, and all our burgers and chicken sandwiches and and uh, steak sandwich are going to come off of the live fire grill out front on the patio. And then all the barbecue will come out of our kitchen on the inside. And so it's uh, trying to, to add a little bit of diversity to our menu and pick up our pace in terms of service times. Okay. Uh, we make everything fresh at the joint, and uh, we don't pre-cook things like like burgers. So when you order a burger at the joint, it goes on the grill right then and there. It's not taken out of a hot box and just warmed up and given to you. So things take a little bit of time. We make our burgers in-house. Uh, we smoke everything with live fire and hardwood and charcoal, and it's uh, all about wood-fired uh, smoked brisket burgers and, uh, of course, our wood-fired pizzas. Yep. So we're, we're looking forward to a tasty season. We're uh, shooting for May 11th as opening restaurant day, and uh, as soon as the weather cleans up a bit, we'll be opening up for golf. Perfect. Perfect. And you'll still have the live music on the weekends. That's always such a chill, nice way to wrap up the week at the joint. I, the lovely Maria and I really enjoy coming up on a Friday evening, having some pizza and listening to some music and having you BS to us for hours on end. <laughs> yes, lots, lots of BS. And, and we have a special table for you this year. Uh, it's out in the middle of the cornfield. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we had some customer complaints about the Craigie van last year, and so we've had to move you out to your own special table. I had an odor problem. I'm seeing a doctor about it. <laughs> okay, so you get your own little private table out. The lovely Maria can stay on the patio. Oh, sure. This table's just for you. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. I'm always put to the back of the room. I get it. All right, Teddy. Well, listen, we uh, we really look forward to the joint reopening and uh, tasting all your uh, excellent grub up there because it's always uh, excellent. And uh, we, uh, we will do that in May. How can people talk to you, Ted, about grilling if they've got any questions? If you want to chat with me, you can reach me on my social media at Ted Grills or Godfather of the Grill on my TikTok or check out my website at tedreader.com. Thank you. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.